Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you? I'm great, Alex. How are you? Ah, just fantastic. Two chefs remain. This is going to be weird. It's going to be a weird one. I know. This is going to be absolutely awful, and I apologize in advance. You break my heart when you say things like that. I saw you on Twitter this morning. I wanted to cry. Why do you say things like that? Wait, why? Because you were being all hard on yourself because you talked to somebody in the cab or something. Your Lyft driver said something and made you think about your life. I thought it was a very good question. So so tell tell the listeners what happened to you in your Lyft car. You get a pink mustache. You get in there, and uh, people make you think about your life. This man, who seemed very, very nice, asked me uh, what I do. And I'm like, I don't know. I do a lot of stuff. I'm a producer, I guess. And he's like, "Uh, uh, are you good at what you do? I'm like, I, I hope so. I don't. I, I I hope I don't let anybody down. <laughs> and then I came into work. That's <laughs> mm. like starting off your day with some stark, raving, shrieking, naked te- terror about your life. Yeah, you know, a little bit of anxiety. Kick things off. Yeah. Awesome. I feel like I need to explain to you my resistance. Of being on this show so much, I, I would I would love to hear that. Mm-hmm. I I think it was you or the Bible. I'm not sure which hmm. um, that said. Uh, <laughs> I should really I should get a wiki quote page so people stop confusing me with the Bible. Alex, this is not the first time this has happened. Seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That was not actually me. It's it's like before you talk. Does this need to be said? Uh, are you the one who needs to be saying this? And should this be said right now? And usually, uh, with my words, the answer to all of those questions is no. You are in the wrong so, racket, lady. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> we should say that Max is gone today because he is at the Vienna Beef Hot Dog Factory here in Chicago. <laughs> that sounds like a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and uh, I I go by it on my commute home and I just it's always it looks like this big ominous abandoned warehouse. Uh so I don't know really, I don't really know what's happening there, but apparently he is going to be trained to uh own and operate a official an official Vienna beef hot dog cart, which I guess we will use in our office to sell hot dogs to people. Oh my, are you going to acquire a cart? Is that part? I mean, is he basically, he's becoming a franchisee. I think so. (sighs) Yeah. This is incredible. He's not joking when he says this has been a dream. Like it's, he talks about it quite a bit. So yeah, that's why Max isn't here this week to talk about what is uh, probably my favorite episode of Top Chef (laughs) this season. He sent some awesome photos of uh, wow. This he's there's a there's an old guy here who's really going crazy on this hot dog. He looks like he really knows what he's doing. Yeah. Oh my god! Look at this. <sighs> look at that. What now? What is that? Is he? What's he putting on that on that bun? Can you tell? Is that bacon? I'm not sure because that's not um, the traditional like Chicago hot dog. So no. I'm not really sure what's what shenanigans are going on. Um, I I always wonder too if. They uh, like what kind of buns they use. Like, do they poppy poppy the bun there, or like what what happens? Um, oh, you know, we got to just do a special episode. Just, just uh, I, I cannot wait to hear how this goes. You know, can I just say also because because Max always makes you cut out everything where I compliment him. <laughs> if I compliment him here, will, will he be able to cut it out? No, he will not. Nice. Uh, I, 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 I admire him so much. And one of the things I, I love about him, I love that, like, he gets the kind of ideas that most people get in their second year of college the first time they're extremely high. <laughs> and then he does it. Where you're like, you're sitting around, and you're like, oh, my God, have you ever thought how we might be living in a giant's thumbnail? And I see a different color green than you see. Like, how would I know? Because you're describing your green. We should live in a tree house. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go to the hot dog university. And he does. Yeah. And and he's learning from people who have done this probably their whole lives, and I, I'm I'm just really excited that he gets to do this crazy idea. And he's probably going to learn a lot. The more you learn about anything, the more you learn about life. It's true. If you only ever learn about the stuff you already know, you're not really learning. And I think a lot of people forget that. You got to go somewhere like a hot dog university and put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Get a, he, he, I bet he gets one of these hats. These hats are sweet. Look at that Vienna beef hat. <laughs> Uh, no, I think it's great. I'm glad. I'm glad he's doing it. But I'm really glad you're here um, for this this epic 
Restaurant Wars Part 2 episode. It's too bad we can't just talk about my cat, though. We've had some requests. We've had numerous requests from the internet that I talk about my cat. I can't believe you talked about a cat and then didn't post a picture of the cat. <laughs> I don't know how to do this yet. I, I You guys, oh I mentioned I got God. a cat and suddenly I'm cooking dinner and suddenly it's like blip, 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 blip. My <laughs> phone is blowing up on, on the bespoke Top Scallops uh, messaging area because you guys are sending me. I'm hearing blip, blip, blip. Mac, Max has taken, he set aside time in his evening to send me links to all the essential supplies that I'll need. And then you both start sending me pictures of your cat unrequested. <laughs> Is this what it's like? <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome. <laughs> uh, maybe we should save it for the after dark. But I, I do. I, I've, I've been a uh, cat companion uh, for, a, for a week week uh, today. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I'm new to this. This is new. Uh, I would be happy to make this the canonical place where I talk one time about having a cat. Okay. Because cool. I'll probably never talk about it again, right? Uh, I'm, I'm sure. No <laughs> one's going to ask about the cat ever again. <laughs> yeah, there aren't that many people out there where you go like, oh, I didn't realize you have a cat. Yeah, you're never going to get unsolicited cat pictures. I had, I, had a, I, had, I had a cat in my house for about half an hour before people were literally <laughs> angry with me that I had not posted a photo of the cat and wondered how long it would be until I give it its own social media account. And I, I really felt like I had wandered, <laughs> I had wandered into a very, very strange room where everybody knew the rules except me. Now, can I ask, I, I don't want you to reveal any an, anything about your personal cat information that you don't want to, but is, is this, it doesn't look like this is a kitten you've acquired. I'll give you the, I'll give you the story. Um, so uh, we have some uh, friends of the family uh, out, you know, you've probably met, maybe heard me talk about going to visit my, uh, my in-laws, my sister-in-law who threw my glasses away, not that I'm angry about it, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, we go and visit them and they have some friends near there. We go and visit at their house. They got a pool and it's really fun. And they have three hilarious Persian cats, like each one more silly than the other. At the time that we met the cats, they were shaved, so they looked like teacup lions. And in terms of backstory, I have a daughter who is eight years of age, and she has been wanting an animal in the house because she's eight, and she really wants an animal. And for, you know, years now, my wife has really wanted to get one, and I, I actually, as much as I front on the internet, I actually adore animals. I have companioned two dogs and a cat in my life, and I really like them. But I also know this is a different age. And if you get a cat today, you know, in for a dime, in for $50,000. It's very expensive to have an animal because you're supposed to get it surgeries. You got it. You got I tried to tell my daughter, this is not like getting a Lego set where you have fun with it for an hour and then it goes in a pile. You are responsible. This is like getting a little brother. Like, this is a big deal. Like, all the things that we take for granted, we can't take. We can't. We have to think about doors differently. We have to think about windows differently. We have to think about time differently. And on top of it all, it's a goddamn cat. So we're the ones who are going to have to adjust because cats don't adjust, right? I mean, they adjust a little bit. But that's the backstory. The backstory is my family. I have been, you know, Johnny Pushback about getting an animal. And there has been consideration for the last six months or so of the way that I look at these things. When you're looking at a big change in life, whether that's your job or your cat, I think it helps to start by saying, uh, with intentionality, I'm going to start actively thinking about this becoming a thing in my life. It's not like, oh, it's Easter Sunday. Let's get a goddamn bunny. No, don't do that. You're, you're, <laughs> you're a garbage person if you get a bunny on Easter. God bless you and your wonderful children with your bunny that you have for a week before it dies. Because they're very hard to take care of. They're very sensitive. It's, it's, it's almost like nobody follows Amy Sedaris. Don't you know how sensitive bunnies are? Well, cats, no different. They're, so that's the backstory. The backstory is I've been pushing back. And, uh, you know, basically I got overruled. And I was kind of <laughs> informed long distance. Here's a picture of a cat sitting in El. I sent you this photo. This, this little, tiny, white, kitten-sized Persian cat with little funny brown uh, leaks under its eyes. And uh, the cat loves Eleanor. Eleanor loves the cat. We're thinking oh. maybe we should adopt her. And what am I going to do? I'm watching Netflix in San Francisco while my family's playing with a fucking cat. What am I going to say? <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know, and I went into dad mode. And I said, you know what? That's great. That's we should get a cat. So arrangements were made the end of last year and so here's the situation that makes this really good you were like into this like this is <laughs> it's like this is like a child adoption for you that's great 
Well, I mean, I well, first of all, also, I, I'm a failed pet owner where uh, I had a dog as a I'm not a failed, but like I don't I never really feel like I've been a successful pet owner. All three of them have ended in weird ways. Uh, the the most recent, the cat ended in the late 90s because, you know, the lady that I was with broke up and kept the cat. Uh, that was weird. Uh, my the dog that I had as a kid, we did not treat him as well as we should have. He didn't really, and eventually, in a what I would later learn was a metaphor. Uh, my stepfather sent him to live on a farm. Oh, yeah. So basically, my father had my my stepfather had my dog killed. Good um, God! Yeah, because we moved and he didn't want to have a dog. Uh, I didn't figure that out till like probably college. And then uh, in college, I had a dog who was really great, but I had to move somewhere where I couldn't have a dog, and my mom took over, and I felt like a putz. He was a great companion to her, but he got really old and he got really sick and it got expensive. And this is 15 years ago. This isn't even today where people are like getting kidney transplants for their animal. And everybody's saying sweet, sweet, puffy uh, cat. And all I hear is hip dysplasia surgery. So that's that's why I pushed back. Oh, so you've you've got a fancy cat that had it potentially has future health problems. Well, that's the trick, though, is that, like, if you... And I, I admit that I'm being overly cautious. Anybody who's had lots of animals might look at me. But I hope people who have had lots of animals will look at me and go, no, no, I'm glad you're taking this seriously. That, like, you understand that this is a big responsibility. And, you know, like in San Francisco, people have these giant, giant dogs that live in these tiny apartments. And it's like, do you think that's good for your dog? You know? And, like, these cats that are, like, alone, like, all day long. So, anyway... The nice part about this is they're very nice people that we're adopting this from. Here's the problem. Uh, Our cat was the little cat, and this cat is bullied by the big cat, who also, as it turns out, is the cat that everybody actually likes a lot. And that cat is now called Bad Cat. And so Bad Cat would beat up on our little cat. And so basically our cat was living in a very luxurious cage in a garage with with a heat lamp. Oh, my God. Does that seem kind of weird? Oh, my God. That's Oh, this is my nightmare. Oh, well, it wasn't awful. It wasn't awful. They brought it in the house sometimes. But because uh, uh, Bad Cat was the primary alpha cat, like this cat ended up, you know, getting treated like freaking Cinderella. So we f- they finally said, look, we'd like to find a good home for the cat. It sounds like you might be interested. And Eleanor at this point is literally crying at the idea that she might have a cat. I'm not made of stone. Now this is a good match. We can adopt this cat. We can give it a nice home. We I'm a very I'm very weirdly patient with animals and I will be okay with it taking as long as it needs to like do its thing. And you know what? And if it is a dumpster fire as an animal, that's okay because we've accepted <laughs> that challenge. Right? Now how, now let me ask you quickly as, as a slight derail here. What what is your background with cats? You have you have two cats and uh, and a fiance, is that right? I I do indeed. You see, you put up an adorable picture of cats uh, sleeping on your lady friend and it was extremely cute. <laughs> So I I'm actually allergic to cats. Um, <laughs> See, but I I met at the time my girlfriend's cat who was just so shy and sweet and wonderful, and I broke out into hives and it was terrible. And I'm like, no, you know what? I can I can do this. So I got the allergy shots. I have our house is filled with many anti uh, allergen techniques. Um, and, and you've, you've basically you've shaped your adult life around this legacy <laughs> yes. animal yeah and well I, it's like the boy in the plastic bubble in reverse it's like you're willing to wear a space suit because it's a precious angel right right and and the cat uh came her, her name is ness and uh we were prepared like we this is like my first big kid apartment i've only i have not been out of college very long and so we were like all right if if it doesn't work out, then uh, the cat can go back and live with my fiance's uh, parents. It, it it'll be no big deal. But um, surprisingly, she got acclimated to her home very quickly, and it was great. Uh, and then early this earlier, or, uh, rather last year, uh, around Halloween, I got a call uh, from said fiance, and I hear a very loud, terrifying noise in the background. And medium like there, there's a cat in the car. She's like, yeah, yeah. Someone dropped a, him off at work, and we, I, let's just foster him for a night. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, all right, this is all right. Um, and we are worried that he had fi he he would have FIV, which is basically cat AIDS for people who don't know. And oh, um, no, there's an AIDS for cats. There is indeed, like, I'm not even joking. There is an oh, AIDS for cats. No. So, oh God. <laughs> so we kept him uh, away from our other cat. Um for a, a day and he got tested and he was fine we're like all right let's foster him 
And the thing happens where, you know, he sleeps on your tummy and it's like, oh, oh wow. Um, and then we had a very serious conversation like, all right, this cat is going to probably be with us until we are like 40 years old. Are we oh, <laughs> are we OK with having a cat if the cat has hip dysplasia? Uh, we'll work it out. Um, mm-hmm. So now I have two cats. The end. This is what people tune in for. But you feel, I mean, maybe to state the obvious, you feel you feel an attachment to these animals. You you consider them part of your household. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you celebrate their birthdays? Uh, I well now I do. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a I had a friend I used to work with, a wonderful wonderful woman, and she and her boyfriend loved their cats, and they introduced a concept to me that I I now ref- well I learned from her, which is jubilee. You know, like you have a Jubilee year yep. where it's like a year of celebrating the queen. They have Jubilee week. They don't have a birthday week. They have a Jubilee week where they have an entire week of activities planned for the cats with special treats. I, I don't want to judge or make fun because uh, I was I put little treats on the floor in the shape of a heart yesterday, which was Aww. Valentine's Day. So why am I even? Yeah. <laughs> do you uh, do you have any clothes for your cats? Uh, oh, God. <clears throat> have you ever uh, bought something for your cat to wear that wasn't about containment? Uh, do you have you bought cat bling? Uh, okay, well I'm I'm going to send you a photo right now, and I don't. Want to sh- it it was a. Uh, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a yes coming. Well, we we do have a cat uh, harness because. One of the cats enjoys going on walks, so <laughs> we are those people. You're such an unconventional family. I love this. <laughs> Another day in Chicago, two lesbians walking their cat. <laughs> God, it's it's it's. We're just. Oh man. You know, somebody in Congress is going to put you on a poster someday. <laughs> Look at what America has become. Look at this. The cats wearing a harness. <laughs> Walking between two quote unquote ladies. <laughs> they can even afford hip dysplasia operations. Thanks, Obama. Oh boy. So send me the photo. I um, I, I just did in the Top Scallops channel and I'm oh god, I'm such a bad person. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Look at that little angel. The little hat, that little hat hooks onto its ears. I anyway, I put my oh. cat in R two D two outfit for exactly, <laughs> for exactly eight minutes and took a picture of her. <laughs> Should we talk about Top Chef? No, because I'm I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the cat, <clears throat> so I don't have to keep repeating. Oh, good, this. good, good. So good. we have this cat. Good. Uh, my uh, we got all prepared. Like much of like so, like I say, they they were away going to pick up. They had to go to a. Uh, a bridal shower, and to pick up the cat. It was a whole adventure. They went to Tahoe. It was a whole gal's night or gal's weekend thing. And then on their way home, they stopped, and they picked up the tiny white cat and brought it home. And we had everything prepared, you know. We had uh, we had the litter. Of course, <laughs> you know, many people are giving me many suggestions, even more so than when they found out I was going to have a baby. I've got many suggestions <laughs> for many people for things that I need. So we got it all. We got the litter box. We got the diaper genie. We got uh, we got the food. We got the bowls. We got a laser pointer. We got the whole nine. Where I didn't get an R two D two suit, but let's let's you know see how it goes. And you know, and I read up. I went because I you know I'm not I'm not I'm the O'Reilly book guy. Like I'm the guy that goes out and buys a book when he wants to learn anything. So I did a lot of reading, and the preparation all said pretty much what I expected, but it was very good to hear specifically, which is that you know cats are territorial animals, and I I know this. I've had a cat been around lots of cats um <clears throat> once lived with a guy whose cat liked to shit on my pillow oh i've heard that so story. i know that they <laughs> oh yeah it was like a little brown egg uh thanks tony and so uh i we got the place prepared and you know the one thing we didn't do is this came highly recommended but our house is not conducive to what's probably the greatest tip which it sounds like when you bring a cat home uh, and listen, if, if any of this is wrong, email Max. But uh, you, <laughs> when the, you bring the cat home, you're supposed to put it in one room so it can feel comfortable. It can have dominion over an area. It's not cruel. It actually makes them happy. We didn't do that because we don't really have a room we can do that in. It's either got a hot water heater or a toilet in it, and like we can't really do that. So they let the cat out, and the cat checked things out. And basically, the cat took up relatively permanent short-term residency under a bed. 
the bed that my wife and I sleep in, and the cat was under there. And we would go and look periodically, and we'd say, hi, and we'd look at it. My daughter was dying to do something with the cat. I socialized her with this idea that the best way to deal with this cat, I think, is to mostly ignore it. We're not being mean to the cat. The cat will let us know when the cat is ready to be a cat in our house. But, you know, think about that. It used to get beat up every day. Mm -hmm. It used to live in a garage. It used to be with different people. Its whole life, everything is completely different for this animal. Weird smells, weird sounds, weird everything. Long story short, pretty much every, she spent almost all day under the bed for the past week. And as you know, I have a canary device in my house with a camera that allows me to spy on the cat when we're not at home. And my wife and I have spent most of the last week just watching to see if the cat's moving at the house. And you can see it in the middle of the night with the infrared. It walks around. It looks left. It looks right. And you go, look at that. Look at the way it looks left and right. Look at that. (laughs) And boom, it goes back under the bed. This has been going on for for a week. And, you know, and actually I'm the one who's been kind of nervous. Like, you you think the cat's okay? Is everything all right? And and my daughter, Eleanor, says, Daddy, you know the cat takes time for the cat to uh, quit worrying about it. She's fine. I was like, you're right, honey. I'm sorry. Last night, I go into the bedroom to close the drapes for, for bedtime. And I'm struck because out of the corner of my eye, I see the cat. The cat is curled up in the cat bed by the window, sitting there and staring at me like this. Hmm? And I, as quietly as I can, I walk backwards out of the room in a real creepy way. And I walk up and I say, girls, very quietly, come here and look. (gasps) My daughter is, she actually almost shrieked. She was so happy because the cat is out from under the bed. The cat is in the bed. This is giant. We are literally high-fiving each other on the other side of the house because we can't believe the cat has come out. This is what I, this is where I am now. This is at this point in my life. I'm excited that a cat's not under a bed. No, this is great. This is awesome. <sighs> and I said, okay, look, let's stick with the plan. The plan is don't make a big deal. Let's keep it low-key. Let's not freak out the cat. It's almost bedtime. My daughter's got her little bathrobe on. She's ready for bed. And, and she walks slowly into the bedroom. She says, hi, Savvy. She, sits, she gets on her knees right next to the bed. She pets the cat. The cat does not run away. And my wife and I are practically, uh, this is prouder than like when she was born. I mean, when they got the salad tongs and pulled her out of my wife, we're prouder of this, <laughs> that she walked up and touched the cat, and the cat did not freak out. She did it two more times. The cat did not run away. So, I mean, we're on cloud nine today. The, our entire household is just freaking out because now the cat's not on, under the bed all the time. So, so we got a cat. Oh, my God. He, Doesn't that feel kind of big, though? That, you are the perfect family for a cat. I can't believe that an eight-year-old so respectful of this animal. And, uh, wow. I'm, ah. Uh. My my She's... jaw hurts from smiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sent you those photos of the visit that, that made all this nonsense happen, which was that, that basically the, the cat, which mostly gets moved at that house, the cat was moved and put on the couch, and the cat walked right up to my daughter, laid in my daughter's lap, and let her pet her for an hour. So that sounds like a good sign. So why do I think this is a good match? Well, first of all, it could have cat aids. It could get a dysplasia. I don't know. I'm in for a dime, in for a dollar. we got to deal with that. Having said that, I feel like it's a good match because I do, and I don't think I'm just happy talking myself. I do feel like it's good for the family. It's nice that we have this lovely animal. It's nice that it's like uh, something like seven or eight years old, so it's still got a few miles on the tires. Uh, but it's a grown-up cat, and it's a gentle cat. It's not a freaking-out cat. It's not one of those cats like uh, those, those like horrible cats. It's a mellow cat, and I like the fact that we took it out of a not-ideal situation. Oh, what a happy ending. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows where I'll be next week? I'll be like, I wish you should see, but but I only got to get three or four different kinds of hats on her for Instagram. I had one where I dressed her up as every different character from The Wizard of Oz, and that took that took about four hours with the costume and makeup changes and the music cues. And I just this has just been this day has been a blessing for me. There's a lot of Doctor Who accessories for cats. I I honestly have not bought any. <laughs> Okay, all right, I'm listening. No. I, I don't know. I, I am not for dressing up no, animals. Don't I remember do it. my grandmother would dress up their toy poodle as Santa Claus, and Lamb Chop hated that. Yeah. 
Lamb Chop did not like being dressed up in a, in a plastic. It did not understand Christmas. It did not understand clothes. It already didn't understand being a water dog that lived in Clearwater, Florida, let alone putting a freaking Santa Claus outfit on it. So what kind of stuff? What are we talking about? Like an Amy Pond costume? Like what kind of get a little wig? Like a little fez. And, a, and, and, and uh, I, I don't encourage anybody to do this at all. <laughs> but, you know, bow ties because bow ties are cool. Uh, bow ties are cool. I could get a sunglasses and a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, kitty scarf. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> Today this kitty cat is Rassilon. <laughs> this is this is the kitty cat who's in charge of Meow Afray, which is the planet where the Time Lords live. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I can see it. I can see it like with a control panel and the big collar. Oh, how cute oh, would that wow. be? Well, thank you for the opportunity to discuss the cat. I guess I will entertain questions. If uh, if people want to ask questions on Twitter, I would be happy to answer them. But I, I, I don't want the cat to become the, the central component of my life, but it may be too late. Who Who is the primary caretaker of the cat? Um. Okay, so it breaks down like this. Uh, my daughter is supposed to be in charge of food and water. I am currently, I have usurped that from her because I have a plan. Oh, well, I forgot to tell you, she made a couple tinkles in the box. So I, she's using the box when we're not around. Was she, so cleaned it. Was she not? Pre- was she not? Oh, she hadn't done box? anything for days. She's, she's, barely, she's barely touched her food or water. She's, well, this is apparently normal for a cat to not eat for a week in a new place. So even though that seems really weird, I'm trying not to freak. Anyway, so yeah, she made a couple tinkles. I cleaned that out, put it in the diaper genie. Uh, the, but uh, so I said, my, my daughter is supposed to be vice president in charge of feeding and watering the cat, but I've usurped that. So here's what I do. Every day I come home from work, I go to my home, I throw out the old food, I throw out the old water, I clean out the things because I'm like that. And then I put exactly, exactly one perfect layer of food because she never touches it hardly at all. But I put one perfect layer of food in there. Now, why am I doing this? So if any of the food is disrupted, I will know if she's been eating the food. Pretty good, huh? (laughs) I don't put a big big pile of food in there like a fucking animal. It's a nice little gentle pile. And I'll see, oh, my gosh, there's a little cat nose sized nudge. And I say, Eleanor, did you touch the cat's food? She says, what? No, I didn't touch the cat's food. So I know the cat is occasionally interacting with the food. It's also my job to take, any, take care of anything involving bodily things uh, in terms of the, you know, the different kinds of uh, productions. So I take care of pee. I take care of poop. I will certainly take care of vomit because nobody else in my house can handle that, and I don't mind it. My wife's job... You know, she's kind of the manager of the project, but she's also the one that uh, trims the hair around the cat's anus so it can poop without getting uh, poop in the hair. We want to thank our sponsor, Backblaze. They're basically our patron for this entire season of Top Scallops. Backblaze is the unlimited, unthrottled online backup service for your Mac or PC, and you can access your data anywhere. Uh, the way it works, it's just a tiny little app that runs in your system, Trey silently backing up all of your files, and it was founded by a bunch of ex-Apple engineers, which I personally think is really cool. Um, and this week, we have another conversation with uh, Max and Yev. Um, so I upload, so I have uh, Backblaze running, I think on, on actually on two different computers, because I sort of have an old laptop that I keep. Um, is Backblaze, um, I mean... Are you guys poking around in my data? Is that part of the business model of, like, you go in, you find my stuff, you sell it to people? Are you guys, like, you know, having a laugh at what's on people's computers? Is that, is that part of the deal? Uh, no, that, that is not part of the deal. So we actually uh, encrypt all the data on your computer before we transmit it. Um, so when it hits our servers, um, it's stored uh, in that encrypted state. The only time we ever decrypt it is if you order a restore and we have to, like, put it on a hard drive for you or put it in a zip file or something. Um, so everything stays uh, encrypted um, in, in transit. It's sent over secure connections and stuff. And so the the, the we we definitely don't um, sit around like laughing uh, at people's data. The only time um, where we would actively have access to just the file names is if someone is like is if we're doing like tech support, right? And you have to send us your log files, and we explicitly tell you like you know we will know what your file names are. So if some of them are kind of hilarious, just be aware of that. Do you still want to you know go down this troubleshooting path? So it is um, it is possible in two, in 2016 to have a business model that doesn't involve you know commoditizing your customers and selling them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the things that we 
I think it's in our terms of service actually that like we won't sell your data. We won't actually um, like we won't actually send you you know coupons or whatever for like other companies and stuff. You know that that might change as we go forward. But yeah, we've definitely tried to be as hands off uh, as possible. Meaning, we definitely try not to um, abuse the power of like having. Um, all your data, even if even though it's encrypted, um, we definitely don't like the idea of selling information like that seems icky. Thanks again to our sponsors at Backblaze. If you'd like a free trial, listeners can go to backblaze.com slash scallops. Thanks, Backblaze. Uh, big fan. Big fan. All the great backups. Bok, bok. All right, let's talk about Top Chef. Two chefs remain. Big week, huge week. I uh, I just kept thinking, boy, I bet Alex is loving this Philip action this week. So I didn't take many notes about the actual challenge itself because it's very straightforward. It was the second part of a Restaurant Wars, and they're doing dinner service. Uh, the previous episode, they did lunch service. Who was front of the house for uh, Team Palette? Let's see. It was it was Kwame and Marjorie right, at lunch, right. in front in front of house, and then it was Philip and mm-hmm. Karen uh, for dinner. And you know, you know, we always try to sort of. I feel like we we try to be circumspect about wondering how much of this is real drama versus how much of this is played up producer stuff. But I, one thing I do feel pretty ninety percent certain about was that having eaten the booger with the way they did lunch. Which group is that? The the, the group uh, who served the judges first. What are they called? Is that gray or uh, orange? Gray. Yeah, but I, I, I do believe that the way they kind of messed up service on lunch did have an impact on how they did. That made dinner, dinner was already going to be stressful. But the fact that they were still serving people after the other team was already flipping over to dinner did not help. Oh, for sure. Um, and I just, I, I feel like you saw everything coming a mile away from this. Uh, like, objectively, this isn't a very good episode, but... Um, I, I don't know. The dinner service. W- well, what did you think about each each team's menu? I don't remember <clears throat> hardly there, any it of was it. Very um, I really don't remember. I do remember there were a – it was this was a good episode. I don't know if it was a good episode for food, but I think it was a good episode for the characters and for like like if you enjoy the whole like Top Chef thing. Uh, you know, because it also it had those mythic qualities of a good Top Chef where, like you said, you know, the ramifications of earlier decisions clearly had an impact here. <clears throat> like we talked about with our guest last week, um, he was very into the idea of Philip being kind of a pill about his presentation. But those of us who watch this sh- show know that, like, this is not the week to be fussy about the thing that you want to prepare, especially if you can't be there to be the one preparing it. So all that stuff, you know, those ramifications, the, those chickens ended up coming home to roost. And I thought it was a very interesting episode. Again, the mythic quality, the whole idea of like Isaac getting p- picked last for the kickball team and then like, you know, kind of run, running away with it. It was, um, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was a fun episode, but boy, was it ever rough on uh, Philip. I, I mean, I actually thought that, um, well, and you say like, what, what if this has been engineered and stuff like that? Even, even if Philip only did show his tattoo to one customer, there's no way that like Philip didn't show his tattoo to one customer. I mean, that footage came from somewhere. Or like, even when he's introducing himself to the staff and talking about the restaurants that he owns, it's like it's everything you're hoping you got wrong about Philip, like right on the screen. Like, oh, dude, stop doing yeah, that. Yeah, I I couldn't help, especially during this um, episode. Has he like has he seen the show before? I it's so strange how because everybody plays the game as well as making the best food they can and being the best chef they can. There is like some game and shit to all of this, and oh yes. it was just baffling. Um, and even at the end, he he seemed to not really understand why he went home. <laughs> Well, I, that word comes up again, mythic quality. There's something Sisyphean to it where, like, <clears throat> for example, uh, out of nowhere, uh, a new season – I didn't realize this was coming. A new season of Project Runway oh. All-Stars started. And so what's your what's your background? Do you watch Top Dress? I haven't watched a ton of Top Dress. I have now gotten into it much more. Uh, do you, Should I watch this season or should I – No, this would not be a good one to start with. I only mention it because there's this guy on there, Daniel. I think it's Daniel F. And Daniel, I think, was on maybe the first or one of the earliest seasons – I think he was the first person 
off. They had him back for another season. He was off very quickly. And, you know, anytime somebody comes back to a reality show, you're like, oh, like, they're going to have a leg up because, like, they get something about this. They've been through this before. Well, I hate to spoil this for you. They brought Daniel back for at least the third time. He's not a particularly likable character. He's 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 got that quality of, like... Uh, you can see this on Top Chef. You've got the fancy person who like is like, oh, classic French training. And this guy's got a lot of ideas. Boy, has he ever got ideas. But like he ended up cutting himself on two fingers, screwing up his garment, which was a terrible design from the beginning. Bad implementation. But like that's the thing of the part of what makes these reality shows so interesting. Where It's the Sisyphean part of it where you're like, ah, this person could be on 50 more times and they keep making the same mistake. And that's like endemic to their character. And with Philip, uh, the poor guy, because obviously he's got some skills, but like so many of the impulses that he has for what he thinks will make this great get in his way. And, and so to your point, though, like I think he does have a plan. It's just that his plan's terrible. I, I think he has seen these kinds of shows, and he's that guy like us who's like, oh, if I'm ever on this show, I'm going to do it this way. It's going to be my way, and I'm going to blow them away with my fresh ingredients, and I own two restaurants, and fancy blah, blah, blah. But like he's not getting doesn't seem to be getting the logistics of what makes somebody successful on here. And, you know, talking about how great you are has never been uh, the greatest indicator that you're going to do well. I try not to. I haven't really looked into um, sort of the background of Phillips restaurants or anything like that, because if you if you sort of search hard enough online now, you can figure out who the winner is and who like is going to be um, who's leaving each week. But I, I just wonder, like, what his he, he seems like he is the very like social media chef and like that is his thing and his uh his restaurant has a hashtag and like all that stuff and the uh, the quote that got me this week uh he, he said he felt most proud and comfortable after this challenge um more than any other challenge. There's at least twice this episode where his version of reality was so far at odds with what had actually happened that the people were just kind of staring blankly at him. Yeah, and 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 he was the most Philippy Philip of like all the Philips we've seen. And I th- even did a David Brent take. There was one point where he looked at the camera <laughs> yeah. and did a David Brent. And I think I think I feel like the reason he felt that way is because he got to do his thing. He got to show off his tattoos and talk about his uh, vegan food and restaurants and. Padma and Tom even saying, like, I bet <laughs> he's telling everyone about his restaurant right now. Well, and, like, but the, the thing is, it's, it's it, this has been a problem or a challenge <clears throat> inside the social media thing for as long as social media has been around, which is that, you know, there are people who get really intoxicated with the idea of being uh, good at social media and being popular at social media and having lots of followers or whatever or likes or whatever you want to call it. And, I mean, there are some people that have, like, they develop a certain kind of tone deafness about this where they end up trying to become people who get popular on social media by talking about social media, which I, it's difficult for me to think of anything more excruciating than that. And, <clears throat> but, like, so with him, it seems like his idea of, like, I'm good at social media is, like, he's one of those networkers. Like, he's going to keep telling you how great he is so, so that you don't forget. But here's what you remember. You know what I remember about this episode? I remember, like... Three or four different times in the last two episodes where Marjorie has just hustled. Like Marjorie like running out to do the front of the house because Karen's kind of behind on her game. That's the kind of stuff I remember. That's what makes me respect. So I've never tasted a bite of these people's food. But I have so much respect for somebody like Marjorie because she's clearly a serious person and a gamer. And like that's what I would want to talk about on social media. You know, who wants to talk about somebody who talks about themselves on social media? It doesn't even make any sense. Marjorie this week was I I mean I'm I understand why uh Isaac won like he was picked last it was the underdog story but Marjorie won for that team like uh if she if she hadn't gone to the front and and done <clears throat> yeah, sorry instructed those servers they would have totally been screwed um and she made right. she, she baked everything without a recipe and Tom made a point of being like wow she she just keeps pulling all these stops out without a recipe and that's it H- have you ever seen the great british baking show yes uh which it, i know nothing about baking well i think it's, i think it's delightful show. it's been banned by, by the the women of my house have banned it from the house because it is quote unquote too boring <laughs> which i think is an awful thing to say about such a delightful show but i i love the tone and the mood and i love everything about that show 
I, I kind of have to watch. I watch it sort of as a Top Chef uh, detox when I'm mad at Philip. <laughs> it's it's so civil. And I like the saucy lady with the glasses. I got a little crush on her. They, they both She's are. She's so saucy. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Marjorie, I'm gl- I, I wish at the judges' table it, co- it had come out how, you know, she really pulled it together for that team. Yeah, it's funny, it's funny. Like, you know, I mentioned that in the notes here that when Tom said they're not allowed recipes. And first of all, I had this flash where I was like, oh, you know, that never really occurred to me. You never see anybody using, you know, pulling out some index cards or a notebook to get recipes. So my first flash was, huh. I didn't know that. Second flash was, wow, that's super interesting. And the third flash, which is now obsessing me, is I wish I could find something like a comprehensive list of what the actual rules for Top Chef are. Because we talk about it so much. I wonder if there's ever been either, I mean, has anybody ever gone in and said, here's all the things to know? Like, you're not allowed to deliberately screw with someone's dish unless unless that's part of the challenge. You know what I mean? You're, You're not allowed to undermine people in this particular way. You're not allowed to plan, um, you know, this is the kind of thing you're allowed to talk about off camera, and this is the kind of stuff, you know, you are an art. You know what I mean? Because now I'm thinking about that, uh, especially for baking. Boy, not having recipes, those are mixtures you do not want to get wrong. Do you think the rules are out there, Alex? you think the rules are out there anywhere? <sighs> I have searched high and low. I've, yeah. I, have well, you? That's, I think there are some hard and fast rules, like the one season where uh, Marcel got his head almost shaved and was beat up by, not beat up, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they assaulted him. It was it was a haha funny scene because nobody likes Marcel, but it was it was scary and he it was, was very, he was assaulted. Yeah, I, I I think there are like those hard and fast rules, but um, I think sometimes like for example, if something's not on a plate, sometimes it has been tasted and they can't win the challenge. Right, or the thing about like the I mean, how specific are they? Let's go, let's go to an obvious one: is how specific are they about? Okay, so the the trick with this challenge is you know it's one of those chop style things. Like you have to use pomegranate and lemongrass and vinegar or whatever. And you have to use those as a primary component in your dish. And like, and I know Max and I disagree on this, but it drives me crazy when somebody puts a little bit of one ingredient on, a, on an optional sauce. Like, to me, that, that's not the challenge. But I guess, does that rule change? It seems like it's a little bit loosey-goosey. Uh, my theory w- uh, about this is they have either you know Padma or Tom explain the rules for for the audience and then they c- camera stop the producers or whoever I- explain the not the actual rules but um like okay it, these are the plates you're allowed to use these are uh the seasonings you're allowed to use and because you're right. Sometimes it's like, wait, why are you doing that? Uh, if, I, I don't want to jump ahead. Or like, or prepared, prepared ingredients. Right, right. Where it seems like it's it's a it's understood. For example, that like, like uh, one of my staples of my diet is a uh, long grain and wild rice mix. Like I found a brand, not Uncle Ben's. I found another brand of that that I really, really like. I would never prepare that on Top Chef because I think I'd get savaged. Is that a rule? Probably not. I mean, sure, it's okay to use the Swanson's broth because that's a sponsor. <laughs> but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wonder how many things are just rules versus conventions versus common sense versus, like, oh, my God, learn your Top Chef lore. You know, I, I mean, stuff like, obviously, like, you don't get to go sleep somewhere else. You've got to stay here. There must be certain rules that are, that are you know, quantified Yeah, I, I think, too, um, that they come in. I, I know there are very, very strict uh, like NDA rules, though I think those were published somewhere at some point because um, if, mm-hmm. if they are now looking more for more chef testants, if you're <laughs> interested, um, and, and those are published because like it's like all right, this is what you're getting into. Um, but I, I I actually wonder if they are allowed to vent uh, on on camera about the rules or if the challenge was confusing because you often don't we we talk about how a challenge is confusing but they don't often talk about that they they talk about like we're confused about what the judges wanted but not like am i allowed to uh adjust how this solar oven works stuff like that absolutely and that's you know the thing is it is about the rules so i mean if you're somebody who enjoys games you want to like really understand what the rules are I just sent you a link to something I just found, trying to find the Top Chef rules. I'll, I'll be quick, but this is pretty hilarious because this is right up our alley. Uh, on the Uproxx site, uh, this is uh, how to get kicked off of Top Chef in 10 easy steps. <laughs> this is so great. I'm just going to go through a few, a few of these. Uh, number one, use truffle oil. 
Number two, make risotto. Number three, break out the molecular gastronomy kit. Number four, make a foam. Number five, make a duo, a trio, a quartet. Six, incorporate dessert flavors into your savory dish. Seven, agree to Captain Restaurant Wars. Eight, stand by your dish. Nine, cook something healthy. Ten, show up with no dessert experience. There you go. <laughs> I mean, like so many, and there, there's so many of these that are true. And Marjorie even, was it Karen? No, Marjorie. Marjorie even said, like, she's doing a couple, three of the things that are famous Top Chef killers. She did front of house. She did dessert. She did bread, right? And she's like, can I, you know, can I break the, uh, break the jinx, essentially? To your point about myths, like this episode, it felt like they were trying to make it like, oh, this is very Restaurant Wars. Like uh, Jeremy's risotto, there's no doubt that it was bad, but Tom was like, this is possibly the worst risotto we've ever had on Top Chef, which I think is bullshit. And they just wanted to like we, we've seen black hardened mm-hmm. risotto put, put on a plate before. Um, and I, I think they really want. The season is all about like we're Top Chef. This is the show, Top Chef, and we're embracing all the things that uh, what Top Chef is. Uh, and I I don't know if they're really succeeding at that, but I I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, there's a there's a um, if I had to think of like the fairly classic, you know, penultimate act on on Top Chef is getting to the point where there's essentially three three people or three sorts of people, three kind of Joseph Campbell characters that are uh, are up for elimination and we can all kind of tell. The the one obvious one is someone who really 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 screwed up. And usually that's somebody who screwed up by doing something dumb, although it could be somebody who screwed up by doing something too ambitious and not implementing it well. Uh another one is going to be somebody who didn't try hard enough. They could be up. And the other one is the person who we had previously been thinking was doing really really great who had a bad week. Right? Isn't that kind of a formula in some ways? We're like, you know, like at this point, you know, yeah, even Kwame's having a bad week, but he's probably not going to go home. Yeah. Um, and uh, like Nick Kokonis, our guest last week, was talking about, like, Tom Colicchio is a real deal. And he is, uh, like, when when they say he's a producer of the show, he's not, like, a producer who he just wanted his name in, in the credits. They really have a say on who gets to go home or not, which is really cool. Uh, pro- so interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I feel like that's a difference. Um, well, it, it seems to be the same way on Top Dress, right? Oh, I think I think so. See, I, I don't allow myself to think about this too much, but if I do think about it, it absolutely makes sense. You know, if you're, you know, an executive producer on the show and your name is on there, you you want it to be good and you don't want the people who are really promising to go away the third week. You know what I mean? There's got to be some kind of an arc to it. So, yeah, I but you know, you've also described this the way that there's a gaming up to a point that gives them an out or a safety valve if something has gone really weird. Where Kwame can still stay even if he did something fairly, you know, undistinguished that week. Yeah, I kind of hate myself for being this interested in this topic. So what else what else happened this week that was uh, of note? Um but other big things. Oh, you know, the thing is, oh, my gosh. It's almost like uh, foreshadowing by editing. There was so much stuff in this where you're like, oh, Philip, you, buddy, you are so screwed. You know, even as they were slightly building up Isaac to be the comeback kid, which was cool. And he seemed to do a very good job. You know, I'll tell you one thing I did enjoy about this. It was nice. You know, I know this is not considered, like, great TV. But it was fun to watch people being good at their job. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching people be good at this and implementing their plan. And it was that, that stuff is really fun to watch for me. You know, it isn't all doot to doot music. I enjoy seeing people like doing a good job. Well, that's that, that is initially why I really enjoyed top chef and especially like watching Isaac expedite that that's something I know nothing about. He seems like he's really in his element doing that. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I'm really excited for the second half of this season because it seems like a lot. They've kind of gotten rid of the dinglings, and this is when you get to see more creative dishes and like they bring on interesting guest chefs and judges who provide a lot of in, insight. Instead of uh, Tom said this week, I think it it eats heavy, which. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hmm. really know what that meant. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> not saying anything. And there's more airtime, and you get to see how stuff is made. And, like, um, you know, I, I remember watching that fourth, fourth season with uh, Richard Blaze doing all the crazy nitrogen stuff. Like, or initially, they almost sort of build him, built him up as a kind of a dingling. And then, like, it's like, oh, wow, he is this amazing artist. And, 
amazing chef right. and yeah i'm i'm excited uh some of the dishes i'm cribbing a little bit here oh crudo more crudo they they were all very uh, i mean it was more interesting than lunch um mm-hmm but a lot of it looked like very similar, like meat and then mush around it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it feels it feels like a trend with the show. I mean, I, I again, I use that phrase, that probably uh, old timey phrase at this point. But like, you know, nouveau cuisine, like it's just a tiny little thing on a plate. Like the amuse bouche just seemed asinine to me, and I'm glad they got savage for that because it looked really silly. <laughs> was that Kwame? It had like a sliver of fish, and was it yeah, salt, it- salt foam? <laughs> who, who makes salt foam? What are you thinking? And, and, and Tom said uh, that, which I, I think he has said this at, at least three other times on the show. Uh, your amuse just wasn't amusing. And uh, mm-hmm. it was barely even a boosh. <laughs> barely a boosh. Uh, what was some of there? I, I, I keep uh, remembering Marjorie's bread. Just <laughs> It was bread. She brings it with the bread. And I like that they served it in a colander. My daughter and I thought that was cool looking. That was kind of neat. Oh, the trout. The trout did not go. Karen Karen had a couple tough, tough, uh, tough things here. She was not great with the front of house prep. And she was responsible for the trout, yes. right? Yeah. Oof. And the, the guest judge, uh, I don't want to be mean, but this is terrible. Right. And Tom and Tom consoled him. <laughs> don't worry. It's, it really is terrible. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. I... I don't know. It it all felt very boring, and this this felt like more of a character development type of episode. Well, well you said it was your, one of your favorites. What uh, what did you like about this one in particular? I think just what I said before the watching people be really good at what they do, um, and also the sort of John Fruden of watching people really do dumb things like the cocktail under the bar oh no that was and you know again it's another one of those things where like something and you who knows how much they played this up but the idea of the way the the person who greeted them at the lectern was like <laughs> it wasn't even like would you care for a cocktail like it's like oh <laughs> philip wants you to try his drink <laughs> and they pull out a jug from underneath the counter it's another philip under the counter moment it was the presentation was so <laughs> weird it was it was like where you would put your iced tea while you're working. <laughs> I I didn't even it just I and this is my oh this was my own personal I was like how long has that been sitting there and he he made he, he's like and I've got a jar of ice right here for you. It's so strange. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a good one. I I still I think I uh, I'm betting on the right pony with uh, Marjorie. She's 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 very impressive. I mean, to me this season she's the one who most consistently is like the is the grown up in the room. She's she's so good. She's not doing anything. I mean, she's 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 a utility fielder. She can do all these different things. I think she's super impressive, especially in this episode. Yeah, she knows. Ah, uh, she knows how to play the game. Like she she knew t- to get to the front of the house and instruct the servers. And this feels like the classic Top Chef cliche of like just kind of coasting along, and then because. Uh, uh, this is terrible. But she, she's not like a TV personality. She is the grown up in the room who really knows what she's doing and just keeps her head down and has pulled out some great stuff. Well, she's not, she's not. I mean, she's also not a conventional like TV beauty, right? Like you know, she's she's like a she's a she's like a plus size normal lady who's just cooking and stuff. And it's like there's no attempt to like you know you know a lumpy space princess her up or anything she's just there and just working and, and grinding and, you know I, I disagree a little bit with our friend nick last week i thought she was very impressive in the dining room last week she seemed to keep her head about her and be thinking about the long game in a sober and considered way considering all the different factors that go into it maybe i'm reading too much into this but i thought she was these two episodes i thought she's just fantastic just a delight to watch <laughs> Well, you know, Philip finally got what he wanted, which was to get to run front of house. So, so he uh, he had his drink. He had his uh, uh, Bangkok uh, compliment. He uh, he was not going to let his hair down yet. Not until they win. Okay, but then, like, I mean, some of the Philippiest Philip part were like, first of all, there's pushback in the kitchen because he doesn't want Kwame to mix up the oil and the uh, you know the lemons. But then uh, Philip on the floor. 
And I mean, <sighs> not just rough. on the floor too. Like he, uh, other, he didn't. It seemed like he didn't even taste his dish. And Kwame specifically is like, okay, this needs more acid. Uh, and that that came to bite him in the ass too at the judges' table. Um, it, I I don't know. Uh, I feel like in in a year I'm gonna look back and hate myself for hating Philip because I'm like, oh, I'm I'm Philip. I'm I'm the dingling. But I <laughs> was really pleased to see him go. Yeah, I was too. And you know, you know, again, how much of it is doot doot music? I don't know. But like him explaining his tattoos, maybe that was just bad timing. But then explaining his telling people about his restaurants and all along he seems like somebody who's in a play about being a chef, you know? It doesn't seem like he's really got his head in the game. I don't know. But, you know, this is this is when it gets interesting at this point. I mean, now, like you say, they've combed out a lot of the dinglings, And it's let's let's go to our uh, chef testant list here. We are down to... Oh, so we should talk about how it all turned out. Interesting that... And I, I don't remember this episode very well, but I feel like this was an interesting, very Restaurant Wars-style decision. Because a lot, it seems like a lot of the decision, didn't it kind of come down to how well Isaac did his management in the kitchen and how relatively poorly Philip did his management of front of house, right? Yeah. Well, and, and sort of everything he did, there was something wrong with it. I, I, I feel like um, where, where um, <clears throat> Cage Man 5000, every, everything he did went over spectacularly. And then... Right, right, right. Uh, I also, I, I really think Tom just got sick of him. I it, There's just something in my gut that was like, <laughs> all right, you're not going to win. You know, we, th- the viewers have had enough fun. I mean, let's get, get you out of here. He's like that relative that you would put up with for two holidays a year, but it's like you wouldn't want to go on vacation with them. You'd just be like, uh, can you go drive with somebody else? <laughs> yeah, so now we're done. So uh, Cajun Man ends up on top. Philip has to pack his knives. Not often does, uh, on on like a, a network television show, does a mic overmodulate. But when he, <laughs> he yelled, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And it was it was a good comeback story. I, I, I did like it. And and <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did kind of a Craig. Could you take it down a notch? I can take it down a thousand notches. <laughs> So, and then we get into yet another saw challenge. That which was your undoing shall be your challenge. Wow, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of blood. Oh no! Actually, you know what? Can I tell you the truth? I had to turn it off. I have not. I don't know how it ends because there were two incidents of bleeding, and I was said that I, I was told by my daughter that we were now going to uh, watch Parks and Rec. Please and thank you, because there was too much blood. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant. I love the setup. I, I I love the setup. So I don't know if I'm referencing the movie Saw correctly, but what I remember it's it's almost a little bit like Seven. It's like one of those revenge torture kinds of things, right? Like in like in the movie seven which i don't want to spoil for you people who are regarded as having one of the seven deadly sins end up dying in some kind of like what ironic you know cruelly ironic way and so the thing they do on less chance kitchen is similar where they're always they're frequently coming up with a challenge that's like aha the thing that really screwed you up before like now you've got to do it again like with less time and you know it's it's those classics like you've got to go remake the the ingredient that you know that screwed you up before it's what makes this partly what makes this kind of fun so in this case they were like guess what philip you're such a diaper baby you're such a diaper baby baby that always wants to have it his own way you're gonna get to pick what the food is and 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 you're gonna get to pick how long both you and jason have to cook it and so i left off after the knife wounds he had chosen uh brains right uh no What's it called it's, sweetbreads uh, i believe jason uh kindly explained that it's the thalamus gland oh that's right the thymus thymus that uh, uh, the fact that it's just called sweetbreads grosses me out and i don't understand he chose sweet he chose uh so so uh so basically uh dingling philip gets to pick both the the ingredient the main ingredient and the amount of time he picked sweetbread ha ha and he picked what i would have picked 20 minutes he could have picked 10 minutes 20 minutes or 30 minutes with the conceit being all right you get to pick exactly what this challenge is you both follow the same rules but boy you better be able to do it because you're the one who picked all of this stuff so uh, sweetbreads in 20 minutes, then there were two wounds, and I had to turn it off. What happened? He, I'm surprised he did not pick 15 minutes. I thought 
he was going to be like, all right, I'm faster, I'm better, I'm stronger. Yeah, knowing knowing his knowing his hubris. Yeah, yeah. and like sweetbreads. Uh, and and Jason said like, well, this normally takes me a few hours, but uh, we'll see how this goes. And he got to choose exactly what he wanted, and he didn't go in with a plan, and it just oh it drove me crazy. So what? So how'd it go? Well, so there was a lot more bleeding. Um, there was a lot of close-ups. <laughs> oh, so I think I made the right decision. Yeah, you did. You did. I was like, oh, why is this happening? Like, it was seeping through the glove. Anyway. There's nothing, nothing like hearing an eight, eight-year-old make this noise. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, that was at the point when the blood was the blood was squishing around yep. inside the glove. They was like, "Okay, that's it. We're yep, done here." Yep. Uh, so it was also another one of those, those things where uh, you could see Philip's downfall, and I was a little worried because Jason was poaching his sweetbreads, which I guess Tom said is uh, kind of the classic way to do it, and it's gone out of style. Um, but he oh again with again with his old methods, yeah. Uh, but he pulled it together and sort of added like this nice char that made it more contemporary. And Philip kind of put what looked like a bunch of puke on a plate. Um, <laughs> immediately Tom had some critiques like, oh, it's <laughs> the sauce he made was uh, a little lumpy. And he, Tom takes a bite and says, uh, well, the the texture here, like you know, you're supposed to eat it all together, but uh, it's it's very mushy. And he's like, "Oh, well, that that's why the sauce has some lumps." And and Tom's like, "Don't don't bullshit the bullshitter." <laughs> uh, and then Jason's he had no critiques; it was very good, and he was the clearer uh, winner of Last Chance Kitchen, which continues to be my favorite part of the show. Oh man. I know. I love it. And now he's going to be out there in the peanut gallery. My daughter said that she would like to, like, she wants to get on there and lose uh, just so she can be in Last Chance Kitchen every week. I'm like, glob. But Jason stays alive. Do you think he could uh, make it to the finale? No. Really? Who do no, you think? Simple, simple mathematics. Uh, because look at who's going to have to be one of the people that faces him. Think about it. Everybody who's left is pretty solid. I mean, what, Isaac maybe? He could maybe beat Isaac. But can he beat? Okay, so who's going to definitely be in the finals? Uh, for the finals, right now we're down to eight, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is that correct? No? Oh, yeah, no, no, seven, because obviously it's Restaurant Wars, so seven. Isaac Amar, Marjorie, Jeremy, Kwame, Carl, and Karen. I think we're going to see – see, Carl – I don't know. Carl was one of my early favorites, but I'm not sure. I think Marjorie is definitely going to make it. I really think that Jason is going to go all the way only because, um, and this happened with a previous chef test. I don't know. It's so funny. Anyway. I know. I love um, saying that. <laughs> um, Karen, who was <clears throat> taken off the, she was asked to pack her knives and go fairly, fairly early. And she was definitely one of the strongest chefs, maybe not the strongest, but she came back to win the whole thing. And I don't think it was only because she was a very strong cook, but because you are participating in all the challenges. And I know it is likely only one or two days that they're actually doing this, but Jason has this momentum and he's like getting used. To, you can tell he's having fun. Um, you think he could beat Jeremy in a quick fire in, in a uh, last I... chance? I don't know that that Jeremy is my one. I, I Jeremy or Karen. I don't know. Um, yeah, I could I could definitely see Isaac screwing himself up good in Last Chance Kitchen. Um, but of the people who are likely to, just by you know mathematics and and the extremely high level of quality, who's likely to go out? You know, I could see Karen going out uh, because she, she's really good, but she she gets kind of flustered a little bit. Kwame, I don't know. I feel like he's been set up to be like one of the ones who goes all the way, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Amar. Oh, yeah, see, I don't think Amar is going to make it all the way. He hasn't done anything that that great. And also, doesn't he kind of keep making the same things? He he didn't really bring anything strong this week. He did. Did he do the uh, pork? Wasn't that him? I don't. I don't remember. It. It, it was all. Yeah, he did pork belly on a plate. The vinegary, the vinegary pork belly. 
Who? Oh, he wasn't the one. Uh, oh, actually, it was Marjorie who put champagne in her dish, which uh, I, th- I think that was her only screw up. Yeah. Maybe that maybe she would have won if she hadn't uh, done the champagne thing. But um, I, I really think Jason like if, if you look at the people who won quick fire challenges, I think mm-hmm. Jason won the most. And that's kind of what the last chance last chance kids kitchens are are mm-hmm. essentially quick fire challenges so uh i don't think he can win the whole thing but i think he could definitely make it to the finale <sighs> time will tell i also just like his socks <laughs> oh yeah he's, he's 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 definitely letting his witch out And so I don't remember seeing... Oh, I think they're coming to the Bay Area next week, I think I saw. Yeah, why were they so excited? I mean, I understand that, you know, your area has a lot of great food and stuff like that, but they were just so jazzed. I wonder if they had to do, like, a second take. Like, why are they so excited about the Bay Area? (laughs) Well, I bet bet they'll maybe go to wine country before they go to San Francisco. I think they... Don't they end in San Francisco? Do we know that? Oh, so, so what is... I'm sorry, then. What is the Bay Area? Oh, well, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area is, is the communities that are around the San Francisco Bay, okay. including the city of San Francisco. We're kind of the tip of the penis. Like, there's this big peninsula, and we're at the top of that. Right, and then, right. Um, east, on the east side of the bay, you've got, you know, most famously Oakland, but then, you know, tons of other communities. And then up north, so there's one bridge that goes west to east. That's the Bay Bridge. That goes to Oakland. There's a north-south bridge, the Golden Gate. That goes up to Marin County. And then beyond that, you get into wine country. So I could definitely see them doing something in wine country. I don't know if they'd go to a French Laundry, but they would definitely do something in wine country. I would bet. And it'll probably be sponsored by a wine place and... Who knows? I, you know, I'm just hoping it's not something like, oh, let's go to Fisherman's Wharf and make bread bowls. Like, bleh. You get some nice shot, shots of some sea lions and... Oh, yeah, uh, it's adorable. <laughs> hey, look, there's the cable cars. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> I've only been to San Francisco once, but it was exactly what San Francisco would be. Oh, and no. I, and you I, went to the wrong parts. I Well, it, it was uh, a touristy area for a, a convention, but I, I enjoyed Ugh, the... Gross. I, I mean, the bread bowls are pretty good. Um, mm. I enjoy I enjoyed the bread, Merlin. It's, it's good. Uh, this is like... This would be like me coming there and having like a Ferris Bueller day. <laughs> I'm going to go look at that painting. Arr. Top Chef is not Top Scallops.